Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Sales Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process, giving you sales training and tools to close deals faster. And I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies Studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. John's guest is Gina Stracuzzi, co-founder and director of the Women in Sales Leadership Forum at the Institute for Excellence in Sales. The title of the show is The Continuing Lack of Women in Corporate and Sales Leadership Position. Over to you, John. Gina, thanks so much for agreeing to this podcast. It's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, John. This is a topic that I am always happy to talk about. No, I know you are. And you've done such a great job for that the Women in Sales program within the Institute for Excellence in Sales. It's just been um, so great. As you may know, our company's me, Dave, and then five women. So <laughs> That's right. And I know you're a big sponsor for us. So I appreciate that tremendously. Thank you so much. It's, a, it's just an absolute pleasure to do so. Looking at it fundamentally, you know, the women have come back to the workforce actually really starting with World War II, you know, Rosie the Riveter and on and on and on. And why is it that there are so few women in, in the sales leadership positions? Well, it's not just sales, unfortunately. It's across the board, whether it's corporate, medical areas, Broadway, higher education, legislatively, you name it. And it's interesting because women make up half of the workforce. We're pretty much at parity right now. And they outnumber men in getting bachelor's degrees and master's degrees. And yet we still are far from getting to the point of parity when it comes to the highest paying jobs and the most prestigious leadership roles. For instance, there's only leaders of the Fortune 500 companies, there's only six, not even 7%, 6.6% that are CEOs that are women. Of Fortune 500 board seats, 25% are women. Top jobs at S&P uh, 500, 1500 companies, 11%. And top C-suite jobs in the top 1000 companies, it's around 25%. And yet we have the same number of men in the workforce. So despite decades of progress, it's still going very, very slowly. And there's, there's a number of reasons for it. Would you like me to go into those? Let me just guess, because, you know, I've had, um, I have two deceased wives. So I've had three wives, all, all great women, and also three daughters. So I get beat up about this a lot myself. <laughs> <laughs> And so I've learned, you know, a little, I've learned a little bit, but I know one of the reasons that's just fundamental from the way our brains work is we all have in our, in our brain, the brain stem, the reptilian brain. And it just goes back to evolution when one early human, you know, in Africa on the African plain or Savannah met another human, they had to make a real quick decision. Is this other one going to kill me, be a friend, maybe be a partner? So it's right there in the back of our brainstem that we are all prejudiced towards or oriented towards people that are just like us. And therefore, since 
men have dominated business forever, that's got to be one of the drawbacks, just the inbred presence. It absolutely is, John. And, you know, knowing what you do and knowing how you, a lot of your training is about these inherent biases that you're speaking of, that you're, you know, referencing. And that's really where a lot of it comes down to these ingrained biases and then corporate cultures where the stated goals don't actually match the atmosphere. And part of it is kind of the double standard that comes with generations of workforce led by men. So there's still some double standards that happen. For instance, a man is considered assertive, but a woman is aggressive. And what I tell the women in the forum all the time is, listen, assertive is just aggressive with a better PR agent. Okay, so, and, and that's really the truth. It's about the same thing that you know what should be done, let's say in the case of a work situation, and you would like to rally people behind your thinking. Well, if you're a man, you're being assertive and a good leader, direct, shall we say. And with women, it's considered aggressive or shrill or pushy, where a man is considered commanding. And he's considered strong and powerful, but a woman is domineering. So as long as we continue to speak in these terms, and it still happens inside corporate walls, and a lot of it is just, as you say, one of it is inherent biases. One of it is there's still the workforce and the workplaces are still geared to men. So that's where some of these problems continue. And, but there are things that we can do about it. So let me give you a couple of examples of what, just what you're talking about. Deborah Tannen over at Georgetown has written at least six books on women's communications. And I just give you a couple of examples. When men and women file into a conference room and there's seven seats at the conference room table, and then there's say four chairs along each side, you know, where do the men go? And where do the women go? Mm -hmm. I, know, I, I know you know the answer. So a lot of it is actually, women could help themselves a lot more with training. In fact, you probably didn't know this, but we actually have a training course called Communications Between Men and Women, because it actually matters in sales, just because of the examples um, you cited. So we men can't help that similarity bias in our reptilian brain, but we can learn to act differently. Exactly. And, and that goes to your point where you, women can be trained to act differently. Well, I would wager that men can too, as you allude to. And sometimes a lot depends on the corporate culture and what's being allowed to happen. So for instance, in those same meetings, and I pick on this poor guy named Bob all the time when I'm talking to the women in the forum. So, you know, Bob comes in and he takes his place, you know, to the right of the VP, you know, or whatever. So he gets that visual time and he always wants to speak over everybody else in the room. And that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. So when I speak with employers about sending women to the forum, and they say, I really wish women 
would speak up in meetings more. So my question to them is, tell me about your meetings. What happens in your meetings? And almost without fail, when they actually stop and think about the dynamics, they see that there's, yeah, you know what? We're allowing this to happen. Right. I never say, Mary, come take the seat next to me. Or why don't we make some more room for the women at the table? Yeah. Or Gina, or, what, what do you think? Well, what do I think about what? No, I meant, I mean, uh, calling on someone oh, yes. in the room who has not spoken up yet. Yes. Ask, ask them, you know, what do you think? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And often one of the biggest complaints that women will have is, so I speak up in this meeting and then everyone looks at me like I have three heads and five minutes later, some guy basically repeats what I just said. Right. And everybody's like, that's great awesome. Idea. What a great idea. What a great idea. <laughs> so one of the things that we try to coach women to do too, is if you see that happen, if you witness that, you say, you know what, Bob, I like that idea. And it was so great when Mary mentioned it five minutes ago. And I love that you think so too, enough to repeat it. You do that a couple of times and those kinds of things will stop. You know, it is inherent on all of us to help ourselves. But I think that employers, if they want to hang on to the talented women that are coming through their doors, they need to make sure that they're recognizing what's happening right in front of them because so, we all get moving and forget. Uh, absolutely. I'll give you a couple of other fun examples. So you and your husband are driving down, you know, on a trip in the car and you ask um, your husband, honey, are you hungry? Well, actually, if it was the man asking you, he would say, let's stop for lunch. <laughs> and so what the woman really means is I'm hungry. Can we stop for lunch? Well, it, it's funny you say that, John, because my husband is former military as well, like you. Right. And it is his, I'm sure if anyone was listening to our conversations, they would just be dying with laughter because for him, it's almost like he needs that order. Stop the car. I'm hungry. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because if I say, are you hungry? Or maybe we should think about lunch. He'll just keep driving. Exactly. I need to say, I want you to stop the car. I want to eat. Exactly right. I'll give, you, I'll give an example of where women can help themselves. Okay, here's a scenario. You got a boss and a, a deputy, say, the second highest position. And there's a handful of women and a handful of men uh, working in the group. And the deputy goes and gets another job. And so now there's an opening for the deputy position. Typically... The men will go in and start lobbying the boss about why they should get the position. Mm -hmm. And typically women will sit at their desk assured that based on their great performance, they'll get called. And so in those cases, women can help themselves by going in there and talking to the boss as well as the men. <laughs> oh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, one of the what I call my road warriors, I have certified coaches and trainers that are part of the forum but some of the women that come in to talk to the participants are 
my road warriors. And these are women who have risen to the top of their game and they come in and they share what they wish they knew, what they got right, what they got wrong. And one of the women that comes in, she talks about how she was outmaneuvered by a guy that she was co-managing with. And he just wanted something and he went and got it. And I mean, he put a whole PowerPoint together and flew out to see the boss in California. And she didn't even know that anything was happening. So that is her whole message. You know, don't keep your head down and think that people are going to notice your great work because they're not. And that goes to an important point, John, and it goes back to the, some of the double standards because ambition is still seen as kind of a masculine, not kind of actually an actual masculine word, right? Men are ambitious. And so if women aren't comfortable yet, and again, this goes not to the lack of confidence, not to the lack of ability, but it falling on the wrong ears or taken the wrong way, because a lot of women are in positions where if they make it known that they have higher aspirations, then suddenly they are either shut out of things or people make a concerted effort to make sure that those ambitions never come true. So it's a tightrope that women walk. Exactly. When they have ambitions or when they think that they should just keep their mouths quiet and, and do the work, do the good work, and everything will be fine. And what's really interesting that in terms of what employers can do to help the situation is they can prioritize making it an equitable workplace. Part of that can be, you know, widening their recruitment networks and candidate pools. And they can do blind resume screening. Well, this is a really interesting thing because this takes us the blind resume screening. This was supposed to be something that really helped women and people of color and from different backgrounds. But what they found out recently with artificial intelligence is that a lot of these companies with good intention use AI to screen resumes. Well, the AI is based on hiring a, a white man between the ages of 30 and 40 who went to this kind of school, who had these kind of jobs at, you know, whatever criteria they put in, in the past. Right. So there's still, <laughs> the AI is still not picking really great candidates, women, people of color, different ethnicities, because the artificial intelligence they're using to screen them is still got a bias to men. And actually is counterproductive. For it is. Yeah. So, and this is just something they have figured out in the last six to nine months. It's really become quite, quite an issue for employers who were actually trying to make an effort to get more women and more people of color to apply. So those are some things they can do and they can support internal growth opportunities. 
You can make sure that they have mentor, strong mentor programs that help bring women up through the ranks. So it's not enough to say, we wanna hire 10% more women. Okay, well, once you've hired them, how are you gonna retain them and how are you gonna elevate them? Right. John, John, excuse me, it's time for a quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Gina Stracuzzi on the continuing lack of women in corporate and sales leadership positions. Now back to John and Gina. Well, Gina, um, so far is extremely uh, interesting, some of your insights. Let me um, just give you an analogy from, from history. And that is, um, we all know we have a big race relations problem in our country. Mm-hmm. And that also totally goes back to the similarity bias. Yes. In other words, we're all biased towards people like us or people that are the same, you know, background, eth- ethnicity, color, wh- whatever, as us. And if you've got a worldview, when you look at all the various countries who have more than one race, there's friction in that company and continuing friction in that country, continuing friction. And it's all actually history. We know the Catholic wars, right? Against the Christians, you're not like us. Mm -hmm. We have to kill you actually. (laughs) Remember the Catholic wars? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so the, what, what it really means is, even though let's just take race relations for a second, because it's totally analogous to this. And that is, even though we're all prejudiced towards other people like us, the three of us are white, that doesn't mean we can't change the way we act. Mm-hmm. We can overcome that bias. So that's what it actually takes. If you're really going to overcome a race relations um, issue in our country, the challenge and the challenge of more women, you really have to, as white males, learn to act differently. Yes. Yes. And I will say, you can't just coast and hope it will happen. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I have to say that because this isn't meant to be male bashing because oh no, a lot of women have really excellent male mentors and sponsors and the companies are all run by good people, good men who want to do the right thing. But I think you get to an important piece of it, John, and that is what we say we want to have happen and the actions that we take to make sure it happens are often two different things. And appreciating as a leader of a company that you need to change the mindset within the company as well. And that isn't just by, we won't tolerate this kind of behavior that's great. And that needs to be there. But these biases 
as you pointed out, they're subtle and, and even the discrimination that can come with them can be so subtle as to be not seen by the person that is still perpetrating it. But the person on the receiving end, they get the message. Yes. And so we still have a lot of work to do, but the, the good news is businesses really benefit and they're, they're beginning to learn that there is so much benefit to come from having diverse people on their payroll. The creativity and the innovation that comes with it, it cannot be dismissed. And then on top of that, it has been proven again and again that companies with really diverse employees and workforce, they always fare better with sales and their revenue is higher. So it makes a difference. People are watching and they do pay attention to who, who supports what and is their bottom line in terms of their own bias as a corporation? Is it to something I don't want to be involved with? Or do they support working parents and working mothers? Those kinds of things make a difference and people are paying attention. So especially in the B2C community, it is really important that those companies pay attention to what they're doing and how it's going for the women on their workforce. Yeah, and I think a big part of the answer is training. And I just give you my own experience. So for 20, um, in, let's see, in high school, my last three years, it was all men's schools. I went to Navy, all men. Then I was in a little black tube, you know, submarine for 20 years with all men. And so when I got to the Pentagon and the, my team, you know, I was in charge of was half women. Wow, did I get slapped around? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was such a shock to actually work with women. And so I really got beat up a lot, which uh, thankfully it was all well-meaning. But what I also have learned, by, by the way, I've totally learned, just like you said, a diverse team always outperforms an all-whatever team. But there's a lot we can do with training. And one of the most effective ones I've ever seen is this, and the reason we started this training course 20 years ago, is the communications between men and women, mm -hmm. what causes it, and how can you recognize it in each other and therefore improve it? Yes. And yes, you had some I great, we, between the two of us, we had some pretty <laughs> typical examples. <laughs> yes. And well, you know, and it's unfortunate that right now, between political correctness, which that we don't even really call it that anymore, but right. between that and everyone being so fearful of implying something that they didn't mean to, or having something taken out of context, or just somehow offending someone without meaning to, it's really made important conversations that much more difficult because if a man could actually ask a woman, like, I'm sorry, how can I help you get to where you need to be? What can I do to make sure that your career aspirations are reached? And if she says, well, you can make sure Bob doesn't talk over me in meetings and you can make sure that, that the subtle biases I'm picking up on are acknowledged and dealt with and that there's more of a 
you know, we design our workplace a little better so that it's more gender neutral almost Mm -hmm. rather than the domesticated idea that women have to go home at six o'clock and all of those things. Those conversations don't happen because no woman is going to say that to the guy. And most guys, boss wives aren't going to say something that they're not going to ask for that kind of a frank response for fear that it could be taken wrong or the woman, maybe the woman's going to say something he doesn't want to hear. So it's a tough situation because (laughs) those really important conversations aren't happening. No, you're right. The, uh, the whole uh, wokeness or whatever you want to call it, I'm not too sure what to call it anymore, but it really stifles um, honest and open communications. It does. It does. So, but it's not like we can't fix this and that we're not working on it, but we should be working on it with a little more urgency because with the pandemic, a lot of women are either not coming back to the workforce or they're coming back in different roles because the onus of childcare or parent care or whatever is falling mostly on them, which again is the traditional way things go. And companies want to make sure that they can hang on to these really talented women. So make sure that you're giving them the opportunity to have the kind of flexibility within their, their work needs so they can continue on because otherwise things are going to slide backwards quite a bit. And there was an interesting article on LinkedIn, maybe about a week or two ago about this very thing that there's a drain of women that is happening and it's happening at high levels. And that there's real concern we could move backwards. And so this professor was putting forth some ideas and this gentleman who looked to be maybe in his 60s or 70s said, and I thought, oh, you just really want some punishment, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) He he, He said, well, maybe what we should do for a while is go back to hiring more men and really recruiting them till we can get through this. Yikes. And I thought, wow, you just, you really want some punishment right there because it's just a request for people to jump all over it. And so, I think probably in his own mind, he thought that was a good idea. Right. But really it's, right. it's right. comes down to the workplaces being more flexible appreciating what can happen if they are more flexible and giving women that space and making sure that if women choose to stay home and work remotely, that they're not left out of opportunities if and when some people go back to the office more, because that's a real concern too. John, excuse me, but it's time for the wrap up. Gosh, Dave, you must have not looking at the right watch, couldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) well gina thank you so much for uh, coming on it's been a great chatting about such an important subject and you know we're a big supporter of the women in sales program and so 
uh, as you probably know, many of the people listening are jogging or walking the dog or driving, so they can't really make too many notes. If there's a small handful, one, two, or three big ideas that you can leave with people, especially um, men and women in the workforce, uh, what, what would they be? How, how can we get better faster? Well, I would say three things. All of us need to look at our own biases and really think about how we approach things. And this is male and female and figure out if even, you know, as women, are we allowing certain people to walk on us or take advantage of the fact that we're trying to be cooperative and polite and see what we can do to help them recognize the error of their ways when they take advantage of that politeness, but also what can we do ourselves to fix that situation? And then really, if you're a woman, seek out skill building opportunities, like the training that you all have and the training that, that I run, the Women in Sales Leadership Forum. Those opportunities to talk openly and honestly about the way you approach things or your hesitancy to stand up and take a stand for yourself, if that is your issue, or that is the issue you face, those kinds of things can really be helpful. And then learn to negotiate and ask for what you want. So think about what it is that is stopping you from asking for what you want, whether it's a new position, a new title, a new raise, whatever the case is, why aren't you asking for it? And really think about it. And then if you've got something that's keeping you from doing something, maybe you're afraid or you're just not sure how it's going to be received, make sure you have a mentor. A mentor can help you through a lot of things. And having that safe person to talk to can make all the difference in the world. Yes. Well, thank you so much for summarizing it. That was great. If people are interested in this women in sales program that you're running, uh, Gina, how can they get a hold of you or it? Well, you What's can that? find me on LinkedIn. I might be the only Gina Strapuzzi there. And you can also find out about the Women in Sales Leadership Forum at the IES website, okay. which is the Institute for Excellence in Sales. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much, Gina. You're so welcome. Thank you, John. And thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Asher Strategies Radio on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast venue. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play <laughs> Asher Strategies Radio. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. <laughs>